Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talkin' Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold it to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the south, we refer to it as the Gap Band. My God, this is going to be an absolutely barnstorming finish. Treat these tracks just for the fuel cars. Hell, Ray Charles could drive one of them damn things in his current state. Just listen to 351 work. Green is mine. Nine consecutive top two finishes. What's it mean to tie Jack Ingram's mark? Just imagine if all those seconds were wins. Torque and Power. Your motorsport and motoring podcast. Welcome everyone out there in the world wide web. Thanks for tuning in to the Talk and Power Show, Episode 3. Here we are. Simon, how are you? Good, mate. Yourself? Oh, I'm very well. I'm up and about, actually. I'm up and about, enjoying the last week, to be honest. I saw you uh, posted some stuff while you were on the move there, Nick. Nick was I was on, on the move for Anzac Day, yeah. I just went out to, to the march and whatnot, and then uh, I thought yeah, I'd put a little, little bit of a promo video together. Yeah, and uh, yeah, now we're up and about and enjoying the last week. We had the Fords win last weekend, and then Ferrari locked out the front grid of the Formula One. And all right, they didn't go on to win, but that's okay. And what team? Footy team got up on Saturday night, so it's always good when we knock off the old uh, Frio. So enjoy <laughs> you guys that. make such a big deal about it. Is, it is a big deal, eh? But I, I guess, you know, from an outsider's point of view, you probably think, well, whoop de doo, Frio, but. I can't believe how much effort goes into that one game or two games. Yeah, look, I mean, there was always a uh, there was always a thought that Frio play Frio people and Frio the team played for that as their grand final. I don't think that's the case anymore. By the way, I don't think that's the case. So don't inundate me or your Docker supporters. But look, I, there was certainly a bit of edge in my step on Monday morning. Let's put it that way. I, you know, like the carnage that goes on at these. Um, for those of you that don't know, there's uh, two Australian football league teams um, in in Western Australia. There's the Fremantle Dockers and the West Coast Eagles, and the rivalry between these two teams is ridiculous. Like they will slaughter each other on the field, and you know, not consider the rest of the season <laughs> yeah. we, we've tamed down a little bit over the years that that was kind of the, the demolition derby I think correct me if I'm wrong I think it was 01 where old Phil Reed and um, Dale Kickett got, went toe to toe and also I think Michael Gardner went toe to toe with Matthew Pavlich it was only a young Matthew Pavlich back in the days but uh, yeah it was you know we've, we've had we've had some good wins they've had some good wins too Freo what was the famous shirt front where the guy got knocked out uh, that was Sean McManus and uh, David Wurrapunda that's right that's yeah. right yeah that was we can get that <laughs> <laughs> anyway Formula 1 Nick Formula One, yeah. So as we said, I was I was a bit up and about. You know, I saw the Ferrari locked out the front the front grid on on during qualifying. Actually, this is this was uh, Sebastian Vettel after qualifying. Let's just listen to him as he's as he's slowing the car down. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Grazie, grazie, ragazzi. Ah, è stato un piacere questa macchina oggi. So for those of you that don't understand Italian, um, what he was saying there was it was an absolute privilege or uh, it was a real pleasure to drive the car that day. So that's what he said in Italian. So yeah, unfortunately he didn't go on to win, but I, he really drove from that second part onwards. He really caught up with uh, 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 Bottas and, and the, the Mercedes team. Um, I know you had some thoughts on their strategy there. Yeah, well, well I think there was a lot of things. I think um, uh, the Williams pulling out on the um, on the pit road, uh, that was the, the beginning yeah. of things going a little bit south because the research that I've done, they only get uh, like one, maybe two launches out of the clutches yeah. on those cars, like when they're set at their optimum. So because they had to have the restart, uh, Vettel you know, obviously didn't get away as good uh, as the Mercedes cars did. No. And they, they gained a lot 
in that you know first quadrant. Yeah. Um, but then the pit stop strategy, Raikkonen was complaining, uh, and you know, look, they they finished, you know, second and third. Yeah. Right? So you can't really. You can't knock not a Raikkonen. He's given it a go. Yeah. He's, he's, he's given a lot more of a go now than he did at the beginning of the season. But nonetheless, Raikkonen was complaining about rear grip. Mm. So he came into the pits first. At that point, uh, Vettel was, was losing, you know, two to three tenths yeah. of a second every lap. So I think that if he had a, if the team had a said, you know what, we want the win and pitted him first and left Raikkonen out there, um, you know, it would have changed the result, I think, anyway. But, you know, when they got to the lap traffic, who knows what would have happened. It's it's all a bit up in the air. At the end of the day, I think that overall it was a great race. It was, yeah. Um, it really had me at the edge of my seat towards the end there because yeah. Vettel was, like, on his tail. Yeah. Uh, I think that the margin at the end was, like, three-tenths. Is that yeah, it was. That's yeah. correct, yeah. So, uh, great race and great to see... Uh, Ferrari feature on the podium, second and third. Yep. And also, great to see Hamilton not make the podium. <laughs> Look, yeah, it was interesting. Look, and I don't want to throw Massa under the bus. I'm a, I'm a big Felipe. Oh, I like Felipe Massa, but geez, I tell you what, he really did break. I felt he broke Vettel's stride there at the end of the race. That a few laps to go really sort of broke his momentum. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. You, you know. He could have just moved out of the way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hey, listen, I think at the end of the day, Ferrari would be happy with that result. Yeah. It would have been nice if it was first and second, but, you know, second and third. Yeah. Great result for Ferrari. And great result for the sport, too, because, yeah. you know, we don't want to see a one horse, right? Well, maybe if it was a horse. But anyway, <laughs> um, where's the next race? Yeah, so the next race off to Catalonia in Spain, Barcelona. Hey, Nick, before we leave the Formula Ones, what do you think of Sorba changing to Hondas? It, my personal opinion is that Honda have approached them, not 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 Sauber have gone to Honda. I sincerely hope that's the case, and that it's a it's a realistic deal that they put to Sauber because I cannot see the benefit of going to a Honda right now. You wouldn't you wouldn't think that'd be the last motor you'd want to put yeah. in the chassis. Yep. Fernando didn't even make the start of the race again. It's, it's yeah, it's, that's it's, that's who broke down in in yeah. uh, pit lane yeah. and forced the restart yeah. and I don't know if you saw the incident but he got out of the car he just beelined it I think he, he was threw he his gloves <laughs> he threw something <laughs> he was headed for his private jet yeah. he was out of there yeah now it's actually become a bit of a, a, a an unwanted um, a bit of a sideshow to the whole Formula 1 thing now the Honda Motor when you're spending 500 million dollars a mm. season it is hard to believe that you know, you can't make the start of the race. That is just, un I, I just can't get my head around it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, it's, um, it is what it is. And I look, every motorsport has their, you know, Achilles, Achilles heel. Um, you know, moving on to V8s, they had theirs on the weekend, you know. The tyre failures. Yeah, I, look, I, I'll call it for what it is. It was, it was, it was a joke. It All was right, an absolute so, joke. So this is where you and I are going to agree to disagree because you're blaming it on the tyre, right? Where I've got inside word mm. that they used to run around five degrees of negative camber and now they've wound it up to eight. I think it was more... I think they went to six and they they may have gone back to three on that, on that weekend, that, what they had to, I think. Oh, oh really? You, yeah? I don't I know. I got so. told they were running as much as eight. And it's just, as far as I'm concerned, it's just getting greedy. It's no different to, you know, taking another five-hour fuel out and smoking the pistons out of it. Look, <laughs> I think the numbers are irrelevant. You are correct, however. There was a there was a, a, a window that they had. They had to change it Saturday night. They had to change it Saturday night, Sunday morning, so that these cars could get... To, could make it through the Sunday race. But that, that's out of the discretion of the V8s. This is the teams don't have a set number that they have to abide by. No, it's number. a window. It's a window. Oh, so they, they have they, it's a window, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. correct. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. So go. so the window had to be changed uh, for the Sunday race. So look I mean let's this happened on Friday. This was Friday during practice. Let's listen to Craig Lowndes in car. Um, He's had. He was one of the first to have a tire explosion. This is on for, on the Friday practice. Let's have a listen here. Sorry about that. The uh, right front 
tire exploded. Okay, man. Are you okay in there? Yep, I'm okay. Get down. So yeah, obviously you can hear he's had the accident there, and he's he's clearly said that it was a front tire failure. This went on during the Saturday race. We had 18 blowouts on the right side. Now it was a mixture of front and rear. It wasn't just fronts; it was rear too. And, and this just uh, it really put a damper on the whole thing. The disappointing thing, from my point of view, was that they scheduled testing on this new tire at. Phillip Island and it got cancelled because it rained to the day that they had the testing scheduled surely that could go back another day I, I just I don't know it doesn't sit right with me it doesn't what seem very professional the way no. it's all come about but I mean you know hopefully they'll learn from their mistakes uh, what did you think of the uh, the, the $3,000 fine for the burnout well you know my thoughts I think it's I, I I don't agree with it at all. I think we have nannied and watered down everything we do in sport, and, and this is just another indication of that. I get it was static, and he wasn't supposed to be static, and he was he was stationary. I get all that. I have seen plenty of static burnouts in this sport, and no one's said a word. Did, did you see the car nearly come around and collect him? Oh, it's his own. It's another car in the PRA stable, so... <laughs> it was Brighty. It was Brighty. <laughs> That doesn't listen. You know how I feel about burnouts. They're for drag cars. Yeah, I know. Before the race, you, you said after. this on the phone. You go, only drag cars are supposed to be doing burnouts. Look, uh, it, it, the rules were clear: no static burnouts. The people at Phillip Island, the track management, did not want static burnouts. It, it does. You're right. It tears holes in the track, and it's not good for the track. Phillip Island, uh, you know, they they have motorbikes going around there. They have all forms of motorsport going around there. So I understand that. I, I get that. I just think we've watered down. We've nannied the living daylights out of this sport. We really have. So the race results, we probably should talk about them. So. Yeah, well, the race results were, were you know, on the on the Saturday, Fabian came in first in the, the Penske DJR car. Jamie Wincup was hot behind him, and uh, Garth Tander got up there in the JRM. I will point out, and I don't know, I haven't got the numbers here, but there were, I'm pretty sure it was 15 cars, got a 15 second penalty for that pit lane infringement. This is another thing, and I'm gonna say it here, and I know even the wider media agrees. 15 seconds doesn't suit the crime. They crossed that pit lane line, went on the entry to pit lane. If the first car breaks that line, generally speaking, all the cars behind it will break it as well because they're following too close to the car in front to see where the line is. So I think it was a, uh, Craig Lowndes was really hard done by on Saturday. He won. He actually won that race. He came in first, but got the 15 second penalty, put him way back, put him way back. So I, I wasn't. I wasn't really liking that. We'll talk about this pit lane line and box a bit later on in NASCAR because we have a perfect example of someone using that rule to their advantage yeah yeah well there's no reason why a smart racer couldn't do it in the v8 yeah yeah well they could they could you know seeing what we saw on the weekend from joey logano and kyle bush falling for it line and sinker i think you're right i think yeah there's no reason why this could have been done here as well so race six yeah on the sunday we had Chaz come in in uh, in first and frosty right behind him in the in both the pra falcons that was really good and and Erebus got up there as well, Davy Reynolds. So that was that was good to see. They had a couple of blowouts. The triple it's fun funnily enough, the triple eight cars had no blowouts on the Saturday. They changed the window of operation for their camber based on from what I understand Roland Dane's recommendation. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> on the Sunday, all three triple eight cars had blowouts. So I don't know what happened there. I really don't understand how that could have happened. But anyway, it, it really put a dent in their, in their charge on the Sunday race. Oh, speaking of putting dents in charges. Oh, yeah. Stevie Fast, right? He told us all that he had a surprise for us, that but not the last round, the round before. Yeah. Was the surprise him not qualifying? Look, it, it, it probably was. I mean, you you probably you have a little bit of insider information about that. I mean, he probably went to that round with a, a hurt motor or only eight pistons or not not nah, sixteen. I, 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 I don't know. I, apparently, on the first qualifier, he smoked the piston around eight hundred feet. But mm. you know, that's unconfirmed. Uh, that was good enough to uh, get him a five ninety. I'll tell you what, I'd be happy if I, I smoked know. the motor at eight hundred feet yeah. and rolled through for a five ninety. 
um, but he got bumped out. Uh, I think it was the, the last qualifying round, and uh, unfortunately, he didn't make the field. Yeah. Um, now I'll tell you now, as as someone that um, is all for the blower cars, um, myself and a lot of the people that barrack for the blower cars are a bit nervous. The NHRA might. Uh, uh, you know, change the overdrive limits because they've just gotten back some of the overdrive. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, there was some fast numbers, but you've got to keep in mind that the air was obviously good and yeah. the track was good and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure, but was the, the national record was broken. Uh, yeah, yeah, at this race. At this race, Mike uh, Castellano broke the record. It was... Well, I've got it written down here. Five, 568.5... Um, and that was the Spring Nationals, the same event that Stevie Fast didn't qualify. That's correct, yeah. Right. Yep. And, and that is a blower car, yeah? That's correct, right. yeah. So so after that run, we, we were all, you know, obviously the mile an hour is not where the turbo cars yeah. are, but we were all nervous. Thankfully, the NHRA obviously, you know, realised that it was it was mine shaft conditions yeah. and uh, probably wasn't going to get repeated. And then at the next round, the four wide, uh, it was uh, Troy Coughlin that's correct qualified yeah. with a turbo car yeah so I think they've got good parity they know. have excellent parity if I hear someone complain about parity at the moment we, there was one race at the four wides we could throw a blanket over all four cars <laughs> two of them were turbo one was nitrous and one was a blown a supercharged car and that's awesome that's what you want to see you want to see oh, a yeah. bit of a mix up they were all five eight Five eight sevens or five eight sixes, but they were all you could throw, literally throw a blanket over them. Now back to the spring nationals. Yeah. Uh, Leah Pritchett. Leah Pritchett. Yep, she won in the top fuel final against Steve Torrance. I, the only reason why I put that in there is a little interesting. I didn't know this, but actually, Leah's husband it actually does a clutch on Steve's car. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, a conflict of interest. A there, major conflict it? of interest. So. <laughs> Leo, Leo went on to that was her fourth victory of the of the um, well sorry the third of the season so yeah. she's they're, they're on a roll she's run a really quick pass just recently yeah, yeah. was yeah. that a national record I believe so yes yeah yeah now I'm pretty sure there's a video in car footage of that right mm-hmm. and, and if you get a chance to see it uh, it's interesting to note the taco right because it, it takes off, it goes to like, you know, 8,000, 8,200, something like that, and then it pulls down. That's yep. the clutch. You can actually see what's going on there, the clutch locking up, and around the same time as when they start introducing more nitro, the uh, I think they call it a slide valve or something, yep. opens up and starts dumping the, the fuel to take up the load, and it pulls the motor down to like 7,100 RPM. Wow. And then you watch it truck up through the top end of the track. It's... um. It really is amazing. There's so much going on. Uh, you know, I've never seen it in, you know, because I'm used to looking at data. Yeah. When you look at data on a screen, you don't really get to picture what's happening in real time. Mm. Uh, pretty amazing. Look that one up. I'm pretty sure it is the record run. Yeah. The other interesting point was uh, Ron Caps. I, I know nothing really special about him winning, but it was, geez, I'll tell you what, it was a major engine explosion. Probably. 900 800 foot out he went the last 200 foot maybe 100 foot whatever on fire just it was back to the old days yeah nitro funny car racing yeah it was so no that was that was quite interesting so yeah um dsr back back in the winner's circle so um yeah john force not not doing too well at the moment so uh, they'll want to they'll be pretty keen to get another victory under there. He, he looks you know his interviews he looks good he's um, yeah you know they'll be there i'm yeah. sure they'll be there yeah but I think the real, and I hate, I hate to bring in this sort of thing, but I think the talking point out of that, out of the Royal Purple Nationals, w- was this incident between um, Alex Laughlin and Tanner Gray. Now Tanner being um, Johnny Gray's son, who's of of pro stock uh, ilk, uh, racing against Alex Loughlin. Alex Laughlin. Now you may remember we talked about Alex in our first podcast where we spoke about Street Outlaws. How Alex was driving the gas monkey car, the blown gas monkey car. This is the same guy. Yeah, yeah. So they've gone in qualifying. The thought was that Tanner felt he was left to hang out to dry a little bit on the staging. Alex may have held him out a little bit. And anyway, they had a little bit of an altercation at the top end of the track. No, no, just a couple of words. I believe, I believe what he said to him. <laughs> 
I love it. I actually, I really dig what he said. How, how did that pan out for you? He did. Those are his exact <laughs> words. Yes. How did that pan out for you? So they've come back to the pits, and and a bit of a a bit of a brawl has erupted between the the, the basically the owners and and the crew as well. Anyway, this is what Tanner had to say about the incident. Yeah, no, it all started back in Seattle with that group. Uh, you know, there was some words said on the starting line in Seattle that that kind of transpired into a fight in the pits, and uh, you know the elite team was threatening one of our crew members that they were gonna find him alone and beat him up, and. Uh, you know, so I think it's just kind of gone on and on, and everybody's kind of bad-mouthed each other's team. But as soon as we say something about their team, it turns into a fight, and they want to fight, and they think it's the end of the world. So, you know, I think it's just definitely a double standard deal. The general consensus, because of, you know, the money that the Greys have got tied up in the sport, yeah. is that Tanner is a sport brat, right? Yep. Um, but, you know... Look at Alex and you know the street <laughs> outlaws deal and losing that race. I mean, yeah. I've got no sympathy for Alex whatsoever. No, no. Um, and and uh, you know, I, I can't help if I if I was driving right and someone tried to you know hang me out, burn me down, whatever you want to call it, um, and then I smoked him. Uh, you know, I would want to give him a bit of shit at the finish line too. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's that's all that's all that happened. But unfortunately, Richard Freeman, and I think the world of Richard Freeman, I think what he's done for pro stock in the last few years has been has been really good. He's gotten involved in this. He's 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 given Tanner the eyes and and may have said, "What are you looking at?" And Tanner throws his hand up and says, "Bring it on." Anyway, let's let's just listen to what Richard had to say about the incident as well. You know, we're all out here trying to win races and, and do the do the best we can. And, you know, Erica went red there, so there's there's some things. Alex Laughlin got into it with Tanner down there. And, you know, uh, we all want to win, uh, but there's animosity between those camps. And, and uh, we're going to – we've all decided we're going to settle it out here on the racetrack, and uh, we'll see how that works. I think that's a good decision, my friend. If that doesn't work, we'll do it another way. So, uh, yeah. So you, you... Have you seen the video? Yeah, I have, yeah. It looks like yeah. it's straight out of Street Outlaws. Yeah, 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 <laughs> There's it no, does. no ifs or buts about it. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'd say, I mean, my opinion is that, uh, uh, yeah, my opinion is that Alex has uh, brought a bit of that show into the pro stock. And, you know, look, I know they're trying to raise awareness Yeah. Uh, because most people, now that pro mods, you know, getting some airtime on TV, most people have forgotten what pro stock is and, the lack of bonnet scoops and the EFI. It's really a class that's going nowhere. So I guess trying to make it a bit more like Street Outlaws probably yeah. it's probably going to help them in the long run. I mean, we're talking about it. I'm sure other people are talking about it. Well, I did say at the time, I felt it was something that, that the guys, that pro stock needed. I, I'm not I don't, I'm not advocating violence. Please don't don't think that. Do you really think there was violence there? No. It looked no. like a NASCAR fight. It, it had Joe Logano and Kyle Busch written all <laughs> over it. But I'm not, I don't want to instigate that. That's not what I'm about. But Anyway, listen, let's stop talking about slow stock. Yeah, slow uh, stock. Back to pro mod. Back to pro mob. Well, we moved on to the four wide nationals. Now, did you? Like, you would know, but our listeners, this was actually the first time pro mod have appeared at the four wide. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that they also ran some nostalgia cars? Didn't I? Didn't know. Yeah, they had yeah. some gases. Oh, really? Oh, willies and that. It was pretty yeah. cool. There's some, there's some footage uh, on the net I came across today, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, we'll try and share that on back our to pro mod. Yeah, back to pro mod. <laughs> Anyway, this time round, uh, our man Stevie, he did make the field. So uh, he got him with a 5.85 with a 6. So that was enough to get him into the 14th. And Troy Coughlin, as I mentioned before, yeah. with a 5.77, top qualified in the Turbo Corvette. So you can see that there's parity there. When the air's good, the blower cars have got a chance. When yeah. the air's mediocre, uh, the turbo cars are, are at the, the top. Yep. And I feel that... Um, when we get into the really bad air, like a mile high and places yeah. like that, I don't know if they're running pro mod there, but if they do run in bad air, I think you'll see the nitrous cars yeah. come to the, the top because they bring their atmosphere in the bottom. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a good, I, I think it was, you know, like you said, the racing was close and that's what oh, you want to see. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah like i said that there was one race there you could throw a blanket over the forum if you go to the nhra website you can actually see you can break it down by each each race and it has the four of them and their, their ets and how, how close these cars really were it was amazing i it's, thought it was great it's it's like uh like pro stock used mm. to be when it was at like when pro stock was at its peak yeah and you had three manufacturers you know and the cars were within qualifying was within a tenth yeah you know, from top qualifier to bottom qualifier yeah. the racing was you know it came down to whole shot wins and so on and so forth pro mods become that yeah no that's right yeah our man shane tucker good aussie boy in pro stock he made uh he qualified 15th over there um top qualifier was jeg coughlin in the richard freeman car that's jeg jr jeg jr yeah yeah yeah, yeah. jeg jr um, see, see, there you go, Nick. There's like two tenths of a second, nearly, between those. I remember yeah. pro stock where it wasn't even a tenth from yeah. top to bottom. No, that's right. Yeah. So you know, the NHRA, if they're going to keep that class, they need to do something, or they just need to get rid of it, or you know, move it into comp. I, I, th- I tend to agree with you. I mean, you would never have heard of this even three years ago. You wouldn't have. You wouldn't have this discrepancy in in qualifying in pro stock especially now that it's pretty much the camaro cup no that's right yeah you know, it's not yeah. like there's massive differences between the combinations and when you have a guy like larry morgan changing the pro might i think i think the alarm bell writing is on the wall yeah. man writing yeah. is on the wall yeah no you're right there anyway i mean chris mcgay hey i i i like chris mcgay he's a, he's a seems like a lovely fellow he actually won the meet so that was good to see him win great to see you a, Chris a budget team like those guys yeah. um, pick up a win. Yeah, they're kind of the privateers of pro stock, really. They are. They? Yeah. They are. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's an expensive class. It is. Yeah. It no is doubt about it. It's ridiculously expensive. No doubt about it. Uh, unlike MotoGP. <laughs> no. No. It was an interesting race. I, I I mean, I didn't watch the the race complete, but I saw bits of it, and it was... Um, one of the talking points, I think, was Rossi and and uh, Johan Zarco. They're 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 banging offenders, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Zarco, uh, new to MotoGP, mm. yeah, um, came from Moto Three, I believe. I think Moto, Moto Two. Moto Two. Yeah. Um, still riding like he's uh, in Moto Two. <laughs> let's listen to what. Well, let's listen first to what Johan Zarco had to say about the incident, and then followed by Valentino Rossi. I was quite fast into the corner. Me, I could keep the line. He has to cut the the track, and then he stay with the Honda guy. So um, it can be three tenths penalized, but because it doesn't affect the the result, it's not a problem, and it's uh, part of the race. So. All okay, and I enjoy anyway. I could uh, tell him uh, I couldn't check the end of Valentino and the, at the end of the race. The problem is not the race direction. The problem is uh, Zarco because uh, he's always very fast and uh, he rides the bike very well. He has a great potential, but uh, this is not Moto2. And uh, if you want to overtake, you have uh, to overtake in another way. He always arrives too much in delay, and uh, for me, you have to stay more quiet. So for those of you that didn't see the race, Zarco came in hot into uh, one of the turns and effectively Rossi had two choices, either to get hit by Zarco or hit Zarco or run off the track. And he ended up cutting the corner and he was penalised uh, three tenths of a second, which by the end of the race that three tenths didn't you know, play into it, but it just seemed a little bit unfair that someone else caused the incident and Rossi was penalised. Um, now, you know, I'm sure that, uh, uh, you know, Zarko, I mean, like Rossi said, Zarko's got a lot of talent, but uh, he needs to cool down a little bit and make these overtaking manoeuvres uh, a bit more thought out, I think. Look, I don't know anything about MotoGP, okay? I've said that before, I'll say it again, but I can tell you now, I, I, I know enough to know that Valentino took evasive action to keep that bike upright across that painted stuff on the track there and how he got away without stacking himself and Zarco I think he should not have got a penalty at all I don't, I don't think he should have got a penalty when you come in hot into a turn what ends up happening is you run wide yeah you you, you sort of you have to pick a point where you stand a bike up and try and stop it or slow it down mm. so that you can make the turn and yeah I don't think he had any choice but 
it is what it is. You know, this takes me back to 2015 when the uh, uh, Rossi and Marquez incident happened, and you know Rossi was was penalised, and I, I don't think. I mean, that changed the whole outcome of the season. Mm. Um, it seems like he always gets the, the roar end of the stick. And, you know, maybe I'm biased because I'm a, I'm a big Rossi fan, but, um, you know, I, I just think uh, if there's someone to blame, he seems to get the blame. But anyway, he made the podium. Um, yeah, he made the podium in second spot. Marquez uh, got a win and Danny Pedroza was in third. Unfortunately, his teammate uh, that was two for two prior to this race yeah, had, had a bit of a fall. That's correct, but, yeah. Um, uh, the good thing about all of this is uh, Valentino's leading the points now. He is now, yeah, he's leading the points. <laughs> so, I saw that. That's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, most of uh, you know, most of the people out there probably think that he's getting close to retirement, but um, you know, he's still at the pointy end. Speaking yeah. of retirement... Yeah, Dale Earnhardt Jr. announced his retirement this week, so he'll be finishing up at the end of the 2017 season. Now let's listen to some of the some of what he had to say during the week. Yeah, a lot of things that I've done over the last several years, he'd be super uh, surprised. He's probably somewhere already surprised, you know. Um, so I think he would uh, he would have uh, he wouldn't tell me to my face. But he would probably tell Rick or in, anyone else that would listen here today that he was very proud of me. And uh, then I'd have to go hear it from Rick. So Jimmy Johnson got up again at Bristol? Yeah, he won at, he won at the Bristol race. And then straight after that, we, we went on to, to Richmond as well, where uh, our boy Joey Logano had a win, actually. Yeah, this is, uh, we were discussing this earlier. Yeah, we were. The, uh, the the way he played Kyle Bush. Look, if you watch it, and he's he's he was going to stay out on the track, and obviously they called they they called him in, but he decided to stay out to the very last moment, and then turn the car turn the car in. Kyle Bush has followed him in, but wasn't so prompt in doing so. And and Kyle, uh, sorry, Joey has played him perfectly here. There's an orange box called the commitment box. If you're going into the pit, all four tyres have to be to the left side of that box. Uh, unfortunately, Kyle's right-hand wheels, went, tyres, went over that box. So, instantly, he goes to the back of the grid. Now, I don't actually think the, the penalty uh, fits the crime in this case, but it was interesting to hear uh, Kyle Bush after the race. They tried to do an interview with him. Let's, let's just listen to what he had to say here. Kyle, any chance we can talk to you about that uh, pit violation there? Balls and strikes. So, Nick, this begs the question. NASCAR, V8 supercars, mm. all these rules governing the entrance into the pits. What's going on? What, what has brought this about? I, I'm really not sure. I think it's... Uh, the NASCAR have always had that, had that rule, and we've always had that rule in V8 supercars as well. I don't know why they're heavy, the, we're, we're governing this rule so heavily now. That line gets crossed all the time, all the time. It's, it's all about crossing the line, isn't crossing it? Crossing the line, yeah. It was interesting, Kyle Bush. I had to do a Wikipedia search on balls and strikes. I still don't know. If, if some of our US listeners could comment and tell us what that actually means, it's a baseball reference but i don't know what it means in this situation balls and strikes well, you know you know what a ball is yeah yeah in it's baseball like a free shot yeah oh, oh okay all right yeah, yeah, I, just, yeah. I didn't put the two together um, Cole, you have as people that listen and watch you in australia <laughs> balls and strikes anyway there you go speaking of balls nick yeah have you seen the new alfa romeo i have I love it. I was telling my friends about it Saturday night at halftime at the footy. Now, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but Julia Quadrifoglio. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. I yep. believe that that quadri Quadrifoglio means four leaves. Four leaves, yeah, that's correct. As yep. opposed to the three leaves they used to have on the uh, GDV. That's I never understood that. I used to think, you know, what's with the... That's not lucky. No, no, it's not lucky at all, is it? But Do you think that that was because it was a three-door? 
and potentially, yeah. And yeah. this is a four-door. So this they, is a four-door sedan. So this is the lucky one. It's got the yeah. four-leaf clover. Four-leaf clover. And, and it's got four doors. Now, what what I... I mean, the price tag scares me, right? But 375 kilowatts mm. um, and, and a fairly lightweight uh, chassis yeah. and an eight-speed paddle shift transmission. Yeah. Now, this thing's in a haul. It is. I mean, this is their top of the line in the Julia range. So this is in the Julia range. It's a four-door sedan. You go right up to this to this particular model, their Quadrifoglio. So uh, just Julia now, not Julietta. Now so Julietta still we're still running with the Julietta. Oh, the Julietta is maybe the small car, but Julia is the four-door sedan. I thought Julietta had grown up. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Put on a few kilos. She's is a hot-looking that... Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, it's. Uh... It's interesting that uh, you know this this alpha's come out when we're seeing the end of the you know the, the, the traditional Aussie four door performance sedan, you know the Falcon and the yeah. Commodore, because um, it would have been pretty funny to watch someone at a set of traffic lights in an Alfa Romeo four door <laughs> racing a Commodore or a Falcon. Not that we recommend that. No, we don't. We don't. It's funny you should say that because I sent a text message to my mates on the weekend with a photo of this car. It was actually an article in the West on the weekend and I took a photo of the article. Well, it's not an article. It's not an article. It was an advertisement for this particular car. And I took a photo of it and I sent it to my friends and I said, my actual words were, move over HSV and FPV. The Italians know how to build a four-door sedan as well. <laughs> well. Well, listen, if we're going to talk about four-door sedans, we have to talk about arguably the greatest four-door sedan ever made in the world, the XYGDHO Phase 3. Yeah, we do. We do, yeah. Look, I, I don't want to cast aspersions or anything, but uh, on the just a cup last weekend one was sold at Lloyd's auction house as an unrestored car that car actually sold for 500,000 remember when they took a photo of the the VIN plate it was marked as X on the paint code which is ultra white however the documentation that they put that they supplied with the car has the paint code marked as U but the photo off the VIN is, is definitely an X. But the car ain't white, it's it's definitely Monza green. So, um, if it's a, look, uh, you know what? I still think the car is worth that sort of money. Even if it's had a color change, no problem. I'm not saying that, but it was sold as an unrestored car. I mean, what I take out of this, Nick, is how much they've gone down in value, to be honest. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty frightening <laughs> as well. Because, uh, you know, half a million um, at a prestigious auction like Lloyd's uh, for, you know, regardless of whether the paint code's correct or not. They would have sold it as being paint code correct because they're claiming it's unrestored. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that these cars were fetching a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, similarly, there was an XW uh, sold a week before that for 170000 Well, that, that's kind of gone the opposite way. If, if you well, just not, a, That's not, just a standard GT. Not really, because I know... Most people are going to argue that the XW is less desirable than the XY. No. Uh, me personally, I prefer the XW. Mm. I always have done. I think the Phase Two was yeah. was the you know the Phase Three was they got the Phase Two and just sanded off the rough edges. Yeah. But the rough edges are what made that car so great. You yeah. Know? Um, but uh, you know, 170 grand. It wasn't that long ago that people were paying 250 grand yeah. for an XY GT. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, I, I don't know, I think the prices are um, a little bit strange. The one that I was surprised about was the HT, yeah. that went for 255 Well, it, that was the top bid, but it actually, it, it was under reserve. Yeah, it was under reserve. It, it didn't so go through. I think the owner, uh, you know, unless that thing had some really serious race heritage, which I doubt it did, it was an auto car. Yeah. So, I don't know, I think 255 that's ridiculous. The reality is the young guys don't care about these cars. And you know what? I can't... I can understand. I can't blame them. I can understand where they're coming from. Because, mm. like, you're going to pay hundred grand, 200 grand, whatever, for a GT, right? Yeah. It's slow. Yeah. Okay? It's hard to change gears. It's heavy steering. It's got wind-up windows and an AM radio. Mm. It's got nothing going for it, right? So, oh, they only built so many of them. Whoop-de-doo. 
it's the reason why they only built so many because that's how many they could sell back then yeah so you compare that to say a brand new commodore or a second hand commodore that you know you put a can package in it runs 11s runs on pump gas got aircon power steering 50 airbags killer stereo from factory yeah you know power windows blah 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 so i i don't know i think that that whole era of cars um I think demand's going to drop. I think it's a big baby boomer thing. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that, that uh, uh, are going to argue differently. In particular, the person here in Western Australia that just paid $90,000 for an XY replica. Wow. 90 grand. Jeez. Um, you know, I've got an XY. I've got every reason to say, oh, yeah, they're worth every cent. But I'm also a realist. And yeah. I just think that that, that era... Uh, of, of getting you know million dollars plus for these cars is gone yeah you know but you I mean you pointed this out to me a long time ago you said that these cars had a, a market and that market was really guys our age and when I say our age in our 40s 40s and 50s I and think. above yeah, isn't yeah, it really yeah. you're certainly not going to get guys well, there'd be a, there'd be exceptions to the rule of course but there's not going to be a great deal of guys in their late 20s or 30s after this sort of stuff anymore it's the way the way i see it nick is that um people upwards of 40 yeah right particularly those in their 50s 60s in that sort of zone uh, because the property market went up mm. so quick right you know going back 10 20 years ago yeah a lot of these people made a lot of money mm. in a short space of time and they didn't really make it it's not like they went out and you know built something and made the yeah. money they just made it because they had some property and property values, you know, went up. And they all of a sudden have this extra money, yeah. you know, which is fairly disposable to them. And they may have grown up seeing, you know, the guy next door with one of those cars yeah. or an uncle or whatever. Um, so they wanted one for that reason. You know, that's it's been instilled that that, that car was just a, an important part of their life growing yeah. up, whatever, yeah. a memory, something that made them feel happy. So they paid the money for it. Mm. Um, the thing is that I, I don't think they were ever really worth that kind of money. They were yeah. $5,000 when I knew. I, my dad actually test drove one, and I remember years later, uh, me because he bought a Fairmont instead, yeah. uh, asking him, why didn't you buy one? And he goes, because it was awful. It yeah. was a horrible car to drive. The gears were hard to change. The steering was heavy. It went good. Mm. But it kind of didn't really do anything else good, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, in other words, he was saying they're a bit of a heap of shit. Yeah, you know. That's and, right. and over the years, I've I've owned and raced uh, a number of these mm. cars. Emiliano and I had a Minara together. Yeah. Uh, you know, just out of high school, and you know what? They're bloody awful cars to yeah. drive. Yeah. You know. Uh, so, and the thing is, if you're going to restore one and keep it all original, you can't make any of those improvements. You can't put a rack and pinion steering in it. Or, no, that's you know, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you, you've got this thing that appeals to a very, uh, you know, acute mm. uh, part of, of, of uh, the society. Yeah. It's not like a Ferrari where it, you've got a huge, like a really broad spectrum of people. Look, I mean, you look at a 60s. 250 or something like that 330 man they're a good looking car yeah you know no, they, right. don't, they don't need to be going anywhere they're a piece of art you could have them in a glass cabinet i don't know so much with an xy you need to for starters have a tray under it to catch all the oil that's <laughs> dripping out of it you know it's a bit like a harley yeah yeah <laughs> now I, I look I and mean, my experience is this is the same as that as well i mean i i i didn't grow up with those sorts of cars my dad had a valiant when when we were younger and then he got a that xe but my sister's godparents they had an xy and they had it for years a long time and i always said to myself i gotta get me one of those when i get older i love them and then my cousin had a faker for a little while as well and that actually stayed in our garage uh for geez a couple of months as well and i always had a cover on it i used to go down to the garage this was when we were living at our old house and i used to lift the cover off and have a look and i said yeah i've got to get me one of those one day and you know i got mine 11 years ago now but i mean mine's only a falcon 500 but i got it for the same reasons as well you know um because i grew up looking at those cars my kids my youngest one maybe my oldest one, not interested in that car at all. Not interested at all. Don't, don't get me wrong, right? 
there are some very cool things about that era of automobile mm. the chrome trimmings yeah the way everything goes together the fact that it is steel unlike a commodore or, or a modern yeah. falcon you know which is mainly plastic um and when you you are up close and personal with a, a genuine phase three like uh in my case it was uh ian johns's one oh yeah multi-award winning yeah. car um you know there's there's things that you look at and you go wow you know because you read about it you know like yeah. the rev limiter on the firewall and the aluminium shaker mm. you know and the way that the the vacuum uh operates the um the flap on the inside of the air cleaner yeah you know there's a lot of really cool things about them um but you know i just think they they just got away yeah so bill burke's xw with a 428 cobra jet yeah see that car that's a one-off right that car to me it's got historical significance yep incredible piece of machinery mm. factory built yeah you know it ticks all the boxes for yeah. something that's probably a million dollar car yeah but once again it's a it's a case of supply and demand you yeah. know the supply well there's only one of them right? yeah but is the demand there is someone that is say gonna pay you know a million dollars for a rear porsche or a, yeah a rear ferrari or you know lamborghini miura for example yeah um are they going to pay a million dollars plus for a car that was sold in a car yard for like two grand yeah. or something? Speaking of cars, like when we were talking about cars from the 70s, the, the Broncos made a, a release. It has. 2018 is the expected release date. Now, Ford's decided to go with a retro styling. Yeah. It's back to the original Bronco. The only... I mean, from the people that I've spoken to that have seen it, everyone's pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it. Mm. Uh, the only downside is they've uh, made it a fixed roof, whereas the original Bronco, the roof was... Well, it didn't have a roof, did it, the original? Oh, the original Bronco, yeah, well, no, no, that didn't have a roof at all. The styling of that, the new mm. one yeah. is straight off the original, yeah. Yeah. You know, which is cool. They've gone in the opposite direction of the Mustang. Yeah. They made the Mustang overweight and unemployed yeah this looks trim and taut and yeah you know, hopefully it's going to have a v8 i don't know the details yet but it's looking good so you know it's exciting times i think the car industry um i'm sad to see the falcon and the commodore go yeah great rivalry for a lot of years uh but i'm also happy to see cars like the alpha yeah you know the new bronco etc coming into the country no, that's right. I mean, and that's why we, you know, here we'll always be talking about new cars that are coming through as well, and not just, not just motorsport. But you know, you know, if we see something that we we like and that's coming through, we'll we'll talk about that as well. All right. Well, winding down, uh, we had a couple of comments from from listeners. Uh, Phil, I think he's one of you know Phil. I I, I don't Phil know. Phil was Yeah, Phil. He's he's he wants us to talk about junior motocross, uh, kids racing. Oh, I, thought he, I thought he wanted us to plug his plastering business. Oh, we can do that as well. <laughs> you seen his plates in his race car? I have, but I don't remember what they are. Plastered. All oh, right, okay. Is he, it's a VL Commodore? Yeah, or? he's got two. He's got a VL and he's got a VK that's in Brock livery. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, yeah, so he wants us to talk about a bit of motocross, so we'll, we'll try and bring that in in the next few podcasts. Also, Liz, our friend Liz... Uh, she's talking about here um, West Aussies ripping it up over over overseas, in particular Matt Price. So we'll try and we'll endeavour to speak with Matt. He's a uh, he's racing in the Italian Superbike Championship, so he's got a handful of sponsors here from WA and, and around the place, and he's having a crack at the Italian Superbike Championship, Matt. So. We'll, we'll try and have a word with him in the in the coming podcasts. If you want to get behind Matt, you can find out all these details on facebook.com forward slash Matt Price Racing, one word, forward slash. Yeah, that'd be great if you could do that. Speaking of getting behind us, we've had a couple of questions from Android users. Um, my answer to Android at the moment is SoundCloud. Um, so if you can get on, just download the SoundCloud app to your Android phone and you can listen to our podcast there. There's no problem there. If you're uh, Apple-orientated, iTunes, of course. And, of course, Facebook, Instagram, or our website, we host the podcast there. www.talk.com. 
npower.net. Okay, Simon. Well, thanks for another another informative podcast. It's, I'm glad you could come along. I, uh, Nick, thanks for inviting me, and I can't wait for the next one. No, that's good. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it. We'll have plenty to talk about. No doubt more more drag racing. We've got the V8s coming up this weekend. I'm going to head, be heading down there Saturday and Sunday. Are you going to call it, Nick, do you reckon? It's been I, a Holden-owned track for many, many years. No, I Frosty won last year. Oh, and did I'm, he? Yeah, yeah, and I reckon Frosty's going to do it again. They've, they've found some pace in his car, and I reckon he's going to do it again. They've call got it. it. Yeah, yeah. Frosty. Frosty. Yep. Yeah. Frosty. Bring it home, Frosty. <laughs> and then there... They're also, they're racing those stupid trucks there, aren't they? You, you don't like the trucks, do you? No, well, oh, they're meant to be run off-road. On dirt, yeah. <laughs> Look, I think it's a good sideshow. Also, the Australian GT Championships will be there as well. I love that. You know That's when awesome. the trucks are racing, do yeah. they play like... <laughs> they should. No, look, I, I don't I don't mind the trucks, but I understand what you're saying. If you're a purist of that sort of sport, you, you've d- really dumbed it down by racing on you know, bitumen. Nick, what I want you to do, yep. this is my little request, right, seeing as you're going there. I think the V8s do it in, what, 57, 58? Yeah, 57, 58, yeah. Yeah, around there. Can you find out what the trucks do it in oh. so we can all have a good laugh? Oh, at the be, next podcast. I, I would doubt very much they're doing the full track. They'd be doing the shorter track. There's no way those things are going to be going down a cold corner and around that Every section. Everyone's getting a fat because they lift the left-hand front wheel yeah, when they're yeah. going around a corner. Yeah. Right? Go to the drags, people. We lift both <laughs> wheels. Carry them half track. Half of the cars that run in Super Street do that. You yeah, know, I know. You know, 11.0 and 10.9 cars do that. So, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. the thing. See, I think that... Um, it's not just the people that go, you know, to the circuit racing, but motorsport enthusiasts in general. I think that you and I, mm. and probably a lot of our listeners, we're very unique in that we, uh, we're we into all forms of motorsports, yeah. whether it's two wheels, four wheels, goes around corners, goes in a mm. straight line. Um, so something like uh, an off-road truck racing on bitumen, Kind of seems a little bit stupid. It, it is. I mean, I guess when you think about it, it, it's probably not the smartest form of 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 racing. But I think you know what I reckon. My kids will love it. So they probably know. love the monster trucks too. They do. Yeah. See. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you got any comments, drop us an email or comment on our Facebook page or Instagram. Whatever suits, whatever floats your boat. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care. Stay safe out there. See you later. See ya. Talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.